Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. I am here with Drexel Seymour and we are going to talk about feeling not enough. You'll never be enough. That feeling that you'll never be enough. And I know a lot of you out there have experienced that feeling. And the good news is, is you do not have to feel that way forever. <laughs> it can be overcome. I am proof. Drexwell is proof. And I know you will be the next person to be proof <laughs> out there, those of you that are listening and watching. Drexwell, can you tell everybody just a little bit about what it is that you do for a living and maybe a little bit about the side things that you do? Because I know you're super passionate about that stuff. Oh, sure. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to be on your show. I am a certified public accountant, so I have an accounting firm. I've been an accountant now since 1992. I also do property management. So I have two businesses. I have a property management company and I have an accounting firm business. And then my wife and I, we have an office supply store and a home goods store. Now, of course, I, for the past five years, I, I, like, I discovered this gift I had or this hidden gift I had of writing. So I started writing. So I write articles every week. Uh, we have two local newspapers. It's every week I write an article and it's on my website. And I also do a YouTube channel talking about ins just sharing inspirational stories. And then I also have, I'm the host of a radio show every Tuesday on the local radio station. It's called Financially Speaking. So that's basically who I am. And of course, my wife and I, we have, we have five children. I do not know how where you find all the time. <laughs> you have your fingers in a lot of pies. But what I do know is that when things are important to you, when things are important to us, we somehow always manage to make the time. It's those things that we say that we want to do that aren't that important that usually fall through the fall through the cracks. Oh, I really want to paint the house. Well, sure, it'd be nice, but it's really not that important. Otherwise, you'd make the time. <laughs> you are so right. In fact, because you, because you love what you do so much, you will find the time. And I, I've proven that. I mean, if you don't like something, you can find all the excuses in the world not to do it. But if you 
passionate about something, you will find the time to get it done and you'll get it done. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And when that's one of the things that I know for you, once you discovered your purpose, it really lit another fire under you of taking on more things. (laughs) So, well, it wasn't always, you didn't always have your fingers in so many pies of things that you loved. In fact, you started off feeling less than. You felt really like you were not, like, not enough, really. So take us back. Take us back to being a young man, trying to figure out, as we all do when we're young, trying to figure out who we are. And we get, we are the most influenced, I think, by outside influence when we're young, especially if our parents didn't quite know how to help build our self-esteem. And let's just face it, a lot of parents are really amazing and their parents didn't have the skills to do that. So they didn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so even if we had really great parents, we didn't necessarily know how to always feel like we were enough when we were barraged with whatever noise was coming in from the outside. So tell us a little bit about the beginning for you. Sure. So, well, I'm 53 years, right? I'm 53 years old. But, like, for most of my life, I mean, from the time I know myself, I used to feel inadequate, feel I was not good enough, or I feel like something was was missing out of my life. And it's primarily because I didn't like, I didn't like who I was. I didn't like how I look. And then from the time I was like five years old, um, I suffered from inferiority complex. Of course, at that time, I didn't know it was inferiority complex. Right. I just felt little of myself. And I always thought that other people were better than me. I didn't like my skin color because I'm very dark. And of course, I, I'm not sure if you know, but within the black race, not just in the Caribbean, I think throughout the world, there is colorism. The, the darker your skin, you are treated differently. I think things are, have improved, but there's still that element of, of colorism where dark skinned people are treated differently from light skinned people. And so I, I was very, because of my dark skin color, I felt inferior. And I, and I kept getting reminded about my dark skin color because I, I would keep. I'm being called black all the time, even though I'm surrounded by black people. I, right. I'll be called ugly all the time. Yeah. Tell everybody where you actually live, because I think that's, you know, there's this mindset I think a lot of people have, especially white people, that there's, it's like, oh, you're brown or black and then you're white. And, and for a lot of people, that's their idea of, this discrimination around the color of your skin, they don't actually realize that within the black community, and you said this, but you live in, like your whole island is predominantly black. So you really felt that dark skin versus light skin within the black community. Yes? Yes. So I am, to answer your question, I am from the Turks and Caicos Islands. That's right next to Florida, in the Bahamas, southeast. 
that's where I live. That's where I was born. That's where I grew up, except when I left to go to college in the University of Ohio. And of course, the majority of us that live here are predominantly Black. And it's our own race where I experienced this sort of, that drove me to inferiority complex. I don't think anybody realized, people don't realize what they're doing, I don't think, but it it happens. And I'm not sure it was intentional. It's just that's how how we live. Whatever whatever comes to my let it come out of our mouth. And then that's what happened to, to, to many of us here. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a lot of people are taught that, right? You've (laughs) experienced it. If you've experienced it, you've formed a belief and then maybe you say things and then as a child, you pick up on it and then the children repeat what they hear. And and this continues, obviously, into adolescence, teenagehood, and adulthood. You said since you were five, you felt this inferiority complex. Was there a specific incident that really flipped the tables for you and made you all of a sudden feel like, oh, I am not as good as other people? Not a specific incident. I mean, I say five because I can't remember anything under five years old. But it's just that, you know, I'm in the school community, wherever I go, I would overhear people or people tell me directly to my face, oh, look at that dark, that black ugly boy. And so it made me, so those are words that are not positive. Correct. And so it was just constant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have that noise coming in from the outside and you don't, yeah, I mean, we're five years old, we're six years old. We don't even have the identity of self yet. We don't even have rational mind until we're like seven or eight years old that starts. So we are just little sponges soaking up and believing everything that we hear. So it makes sense that if you're hearing that stuff constantly, that you would start to feel like you're different in a negative way than other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then everything which around, that happens around your childhood could impact you for the rest of your life unless you get some sort of help or you overcome it. Because, I mean, the childhood years are very, very critical years of, of anybody's life. Absolutely. Well, it's where we form the basis of our belief system, because like I said, we're little sponges and we believe everything when we're up until the age of seven and then we start to practice some discernment. Mm -hmm. And so what you experience up until the age of seven really formulates the, it's like the skeleton of who you are and who you believe yourself to be. So there is one thing that happens, though, when we have these negative things, these negative pendulum swings, we tend to try to compensate for them in a certain way. What was, how did you try to become enough? Did you just, were you, I mean, knowing what you're doing now, I know you weren't the person that just gave up and said, well, I'm, I'm not enough and I'm never going to be good enough. So I'm just going to sit and be in this pile of goo and do nothing. Like that wasn't you. (laughs) 
No. What, I, what, what did you do? You know, even though I was bothered by what people say, and, you know, and I live a life trying to please people. But one thing I did do, I tried to study as much as possible in, in school. And so that, and try to do as best as I can with getting very good grades in elementary and, and secondary school. So I think I, I forced myself into doing that, hoping that one day I will become, you know, somebody. And so that was my, my um, relief. And, yeah. and, I, and I did well in school. And as a result, you know, I was able to get a scholarship and then I'm going to, to college, get my degree in accounting and then the MBA in finance. I definitely can relate. And I think a lot of people can relate. Like when you go to school, even if everybody around you is talking shit, basically, <laughs> if they are, then you still can... It's like there's a metric for doing well. Like if you get a good grade or you get the answer right, you have a metric for doing well. And it feeds a little bit of your self-esteem or part of your self-esteem. Part of your self-esteem is that sense of self-efficacy, that knowing that you can do things. And so by doing that, it's a way to actually build your self-esteem a little bit and discover that you're capable of things. And it's, I think, a way a lot of kids that grow up feeling not enough will lean into that because we've got those measurable metrics like, okay, well, I can do this. What else can I maybe do? So you got good grades. You got a scholarship. You went to college in the States. You did all those things. Then that's a bit, is that a big deal where you come from? It is. And it was primarily back then because at that time, the scholarships were very limited. Many of us didn't go to colleges. I mean, in fact, at that time, my parents had five children and none of them had gone to college. I'm the last child and I'm the first one to go to college. So it was a big deal, you know, because most times, after high school, you you find a job. And so it was a big deal going to college. And it, it was the start of a, a lifetime journey for me. Yeah. Yeah. And you got your master's too? <laughs> yes, I got my MBA in, in, in finance. Yeah. And I returned home. And then so you've succeeded in the eyes of on paper, on paper, you look great. <laughs> ah, that's it. <laughs> you, you look great. You've got the degree. You've surpassed the people, other people in your family, and probably many people in your community. You've gotten an MBA, which is even bigger and more expansive than a college degree. You came home, and what did you experience now that you've accomplished all of these things? What did what happened when you came home? You know, okay. So before I came home, like when I was in college and university, I yeah. think I was fine. I didn't think I had an issue with low self-esteem. I don't think I did. I don't recall. Only thing I know, I couldn't dance. <laughs> I, I wish I knew how to dance. But so when I came home, it's like everything started happening again to me that I experienced when I left. It's like my life was starting to go back to what it was before was I started going through this. So I was so concerned about what people say about me. And so I was so sensitive 
and and even though I had the degrees and stuff like that, I I thought it made a difference in what people think about me. I was looking for, I guess, I don't know, attention from people or or some validation from people, but somehow I still end up suffering from low self-esteem. I still feel that because of the color of my skin, I was not good enough. Mm-hmm. And how I look, I was not good enough. So it, I went back to, to square one. It's interesting, and I see this happen with a lot of people. It's like you have a goal that you're working towards, and you think that goal is going to be the key to making you happy. It's going to be the key that's going to solve all of the problems. So you you see this with the person, the lawyer that works really hard to make partner. And then once they make partner, somehow they still don't feel great. They still, it's like all that work they've done didn't solve the problem. And so what I'm hearing is that you came back and was there a part of you that had really, really hoped that, all of this would make people see you in a different light? Of course, of course, because yeah. now that I had my degree, I thought, okay, actually you're somebody now, because I, I, I didn't think I was anybody. And then I was expecting people to look up to me. I was expecting to be accepted and all that stuff. I think I was to a certain extent, but because I have a degree, but overall, the, overall it wasn't accepted. Yeah, so you still had that, the, the na- did you still, ha- even as an adult with an MBA, college degree, and all of that, people still were calling you names? Of course, yeah, even up to a couple of years ago, you know. Wow, I'm going to come it, back it, to it, that. Yeah, it's <laughs> how society is in some places. Yeah, and so what, as you moved forward, you not only got your degrees, you started a business. Did you, what did you think would happen when you started the business? Did you think that would be the thing that would maybe make people change the way they looked at you? I think when I started the business, I started to feel better about, my, better about myself. Because I think I started my business in around 2014, I think, or 13. So I started feeling better about myself, but I did hope that it, w- it would have made a difference, but it wasn't as bad as I prior to that. Yeah. Yeah. Was there, was there something in starting your business that kind of started the shift of beginning to feel better about yourself? It, it did because, okay, for example, I, I used to be the CEO of, a, of the local company. So that put me in a very um, good position. And I became well-known on the island. There was only two telephone companies. I was running one and someone else running the next one. And so when I started the business, it put me in a, in a better position. Okay. But I still was suffering, but not as bad as, as, I, as I used to because I, I felt that I had reached the top of my career. I have my own business. So I, I felt I started to feel a little bit better about myself because I feel like I have, I have something that I have accomplished, even though I had the degree to show, but I had the experience. I had my own company. It just felt better. 
Right. So it was another level of these accomplishments that started to open something up within you. Yeah. Does that sound correct? Yeah. Yes, no. mm-hmm. and, and there was a point somewhere in there where you started feeling supported. Somebody came into your life and I know we talked about it before and this person's support was really integral around your journey of feeling like you're not enough. And I don't know if you want to share anything about that, but I know sometimes that support really does turn the tides for us. The support was very important. Well, I met my wife on the job, actually. She She was the secretary where I used to work. And then we eventually got married. And, but she didn't know that I, I, she didn't know how I felt about myself. She didn't know that I was suffering from low self-esteem. But eventually she found out and I told her. And because of her support, I think that's one of the main ways I was able to, to overcome the feeling I was experiencing this, this inferiority. Because I, I became depressed. And, and because of her support and her encouragement, letting me know that I am somebody, that I'm not what people say I am. It made a significant difference in my life. And then, and then a light bulb just went off. And after she tell me this all the time, and then I said, oh, wow, she's correct. Nobody's better than me. And then I started to love myself. I started to appreciate who I am. I started recognizing that there's some things about me I can't change, and I have to accept who I am. And that was the beginning of, of, a, of a moment for me and my life was transformed. And I, I'm at a point where I am so full of confidence and I don't care what people say about me. I don't live my life to please anybody. And I'm doing what I believe that I was called to do. Yeah. I know that support is such a huge thing. When you do not feel like you're enough, feeling like you have people that have your back and support you and see something in you that maybe you do not yet see, you can begin to see it reflected through them. It's like, you know, you hearing those words of her telling you over and over started to disintegrate those other words. Tell me about the light bulb moment, though. There's, you know, we have these big epiphany aha moments that start, they, they unravel so much in our life. What, besides just her telling you, and those light bulb moments happen in a moment. What was it that you, what was the chain of thought that led to that light bulb moment? I was becoming very, very depressed, wondering whether I was a mistake in this, you know, why did I come to this world? I think one day I went to the mirror and I was just thinking the words my wife was telling me and the encouragement. And I just started reflecting on my life and, and looking at the things I have and, and stopped looking at the things I don't have. And that was like the light bulb moment for me. And, I, and then it was, and I felt, I felt bad because I say, oh, all these years, I'm thinking, you know, I'm nobody all these years. I think I don't have this. And everything I have is, is right here within me and, I, and nobody's better than me. So it was really the moment of reflection. That's when, when the light bulb went off. 
profound. And and the thing that I love the most about your wet light bulb moment, <laughs> I do this with my clients because it takes a lot to start to see what it is that's positive in your life instead of negative. We look through these filters in our life where it's like, oh yeah, I accomplish, like you accomplish, you get the degree and you're just on to the next thing that will try to make it better. It's like this constant, like I have to fix it. I have to fix it. I have to try and make it better. That's going on like at a deep internal level where most people are not even aware of this. And it's like nothing will ever be good enough because you don't, you inside don't feel good enough. So there is this, it's like this hamster wheel of it doesn't matter how much I have. It doesn't matter what I've done. It's not enough because I don't feel enough. And so in your light bulb moment, what I love is that you started to see all the things that you do have, right? This is that practice of gratitude in some ways. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, what is it that I do have? What are all these amazing things that I have done? And when you start to look through that lens, you just begin to feel better, period. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I love I love helping people shift their perspective, and that perspective change is something that starts to show up in everything. So once you had that light bulb moment, I'm going to take a wild guess, but things around you started to shift. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I everything just started just going in the right direction. Because I think prior to that, I didn't have any confidence. And so my confidence was built up. And then I, I discovered, I started writing. And then I realized that this writing is impacting the lives of people. I discovered my, my, my purpose here, which is to inspire and encourage and influence people. And then that's when I discovered my purpose in life. And so everything just started going well. Of course, you can always have obstacles, you might meet some failures. But once I knew my purpose and my goals, I, I knew what I was heading towards. And that's, that was my, my priority, just focusing on achieving those things. Yeah. So everything started going well. Yeah. And that's a big thing too, is not only actually starting to focus on what it is that you have, what it is that you have done and being like, wow, that's impressive. Like yeah. seeing in your own mind, becoming yeah. impressed with yourself because you look around and other people haven't done what you've done. It, it's like, I've done a lot of really weird things and, and, and accomplished a lot that people are like, whoa, that's crazy. But I haven't done a lot of those typical things that people have done. So I know I used to be like, well, maybe I'm not good enough because I haven't done this, this, and this. But it doesn't matter. But the piece is that you also started to have something to work towards. Yeah. So when you were in college, your self-esteem was a little bit better because... Yeah, I'm projecting here. I'm making up my own story about it, but I'm guessing it had a lot to do with you had this thing that you were working towards. And 
once you got it, then you didn't have another thing you were working towards. But once you find your purpose, and the beautiful thing about finding purpose is that if it's a good purpose, you can do it for the rest of your life under any circumstance, no matter where you are. It is a good problem to solve because you can never solve it completely, but it's a positive thing that you're leaning towards. And so finding that sounds like it was such a big piece in continuing the building of the self-esteem. It was, it was a major piece. And as I said, I look back wishing I had started many years ago, but you know, I can't live with regrets. Everything happens for a reason, I believe. But at the end of the day, at least I'm, I'm, I am carrying out my purpose, even though I started late in life, but still, there's nothing late anyway. As long as you start, it's better to start and not start at all. But definitely, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you also have more to share. You have more to right. help inspire others because of overcoming and shifting through mm -hmm. struggle. And I've got to tell you straight up that the number one saboteur in people's lives is that feeling that you're not enough, that you're not good enough, that somehow you're bad or wrong to exist or to be and that maybe somehow you're a mistake. So the more people we have out there breaking through that and inspiring others to let them know that it can happen is, I mean, it is one of the most important things I think in the world because it's such a big piece of the Be the Wolf quality. Like once you know you're enough, then you can step into what it is that you're born to do. Yep. Yep. You're so spot on that one. Absolutely. Absolutely correct. And I believe that's why even we make a difference in the life of just one person, it's better than none at all. I mean, I, I think and that's what we're here for, to, to not just to help ourselves, but to help, to help other people. And that is what I, that's what's satisfying and gratifying to me, is making a difference in the lives of others. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell me, and this is, I think, something that's very curious, because I know I've seen it shift. In my clients, I know I've seen it shift in myself when you start to overcome this sabotager of <laughs> <laughs> not feeling enough. Mm -hmm. Did the people around you change what they were saying about you to some degree or another? Yes. They have changed, and also, I think I have also, because I share my story as well, and I think people have changed, at least publicly they have changed, because sometimes I, be, I don't be realize, I don't think people realize what they're doing. Of course, some people do, but some people don't, and, and that's why it's best to share your story, because sometimes people don't realize that you're hurting them, especially if it's by words, and so... To answer your question, yes, there has been a change in the way people think. So 
I am becoming a leader. I am becoming an influencer. And so I am influencing some of those same very people who try to direct me or tell me who I am. And so there is, there has been a change. Yeah. You know, you hear people talk about how you have everything you need within you to da da da. And I know if y'all are struggling out there, you're like, you're full of it. I don't feel like I have enough within me to, but when you start to see it, when you start to shift all those outside influences that feel like they're attacking you, they mellow out. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's always going to be haters out there. Of course. And the thing y'all need to understand about the naysayers and the haters and even the people that are saying negative things about you before you develop the confidence, people are talking about themselves. When people are talking about you or directing negative things towards you, generally they're telling you and showing you exactly what they feel about themselves deep inside. They're just not willing to face it and do the work to overcome it. Or maybe they just don't know how is usually the bigger case, but they're telling you who they are. So them telling you these things, maybe they use specific descriptions about the way you looked, but it was really about the way they felt inside. And, and you've probably even seen that as you've now started to influence and encourage some of these people that you could see they also suffered from that feeling of not feeling enough. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that is profound. And that is so true. People are going through a lot and they, and I'm taking out on you by the word words they express or say to you. Sometimes they're the ones that are suffering, but they want to appear to be bold and confident and they take it out on you. But you're, you're so right. Yeah. It's, it's when you start to see that, when you really start to see that and when it doesn't trigger something within you, when you do your own healing and you can see that it allows you to be so much more compassionate to people, which I think, you know, if we're all here to help people and help people lift up and be the best that they can be, if we're there to create those ripples, that compassion is such a big, important piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Drexwell, you have written a book about your experience. It's yeah. called Rise Up and Take Your Position. Everybody listen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about your book, where they can get it, tell people how they can reach out to you, how they can follow you on your, your show, your YouTube, all of the things. Tell us, give us all the goods. Okay, thanks. So this is my first book. I'm working on my second one. So my, this is my first book, and it's called Rise Up and, and Take Your Position. And it's, it's available on Amazon for $19.99. Just type in my name or the, or the book. And the book really is to, it's a motivational book, is to encourage people to basically, wherever they are, whatever position they're in, or whatever state they're in, sorry, to get out of it and, and go into the position that they were, that were called to go. And that involves finding their purpose, finding their gifts, cultivating it, so that they could be, they could carry out their purpose. People, you don't want them to die empty. That you live your life, 
fulfilling the purpose for which you were created for. So that's the, that was the book. It, it's really a, it's really a motivational book. Of course, you could, I also have a YouTube channel. Just type in my name on YouTube where I release a video every week. That's an inspirational video. I sometimes I'm, I'm by myself or sometimes I have a guest. I'm just sharing inspirational stories, giving people hope because the world is full of people that are in a state of hopelessness. People just don't have any more hope. And as a result, they are depressed. They think about committing suicide for whatever reason. We need to give people hope. And that's the whole idea of the book, the whole idea of the show. Because I believe once people have hope and they believe that there are other people who went through the same thing they went through and they got over it, they will think twice about doing some of the things they want to do. And they will feel encouraged to, to rise up and take their, their position. Yes. Yes. And for those of you that are listening, Drexwell's name is spelled D-R-E-X-W-E-L-L. And the last name is Seymour, S-E-Y-M-O-U-R. So you can search that through Amazon or YouTube, all the things, all the things. And I think hope is a really important thing. And I know a lot of people, of a lot of you out there are stuck in jobs and careers that you feel stuck and are lacking in that hope. And I, I know you all need to know that it is 100% possible for you to step into careers and jobs that are really right for you, that are meaningful to you, that you can actually be paid well, have a personal life, all of those things. You don't have to sacrifice yourself to try to somehow prove that you're enough. We get to have all of the things, and that's what I help people do. So if you're ready to have a conversation about making the next perfect for you career move, go to elevatebookacall.com and book a call with me. We'll have a conversation. It'll be fun. So if you're not driving, open up your browser and type in elevatebookacall.com. And I'll see you there. And Drexwell, if you were going to give your past self a piece of advice, or maybe it's this advice is for all the people out there, maybe both, what would you tell your past self or what do you want to tell everybody listening and watching? What do you want them to walk away with today? Well, I, there are two things. I, first, I wouldn't compare myself to anybody. I think too many of us are comparing ourselves to other people and it creating a lot of issues in your life. You become stressed out. You become worried. You become trying to live your life that you're not. You're trying to live a life that belongs to somebody else's life. And so I would that's the first walk away is don't compare yourself to anybody else. Be, be yourself. Be who you are. Be the Otherwise, wolf. <laughs> be the wolf. That's right. Be the wolf. I like that. And, and the next thing I would say is to not be afraid. I think that's one of the greatest obstacles in our lives is, is, is fear. 
We're afraid. We're afraid to take. We're afraid to take the risk. We're afraid to step out. We're afraid of our own selves. We're afraid of what people think about us. We're afraid of failure. We're just afraid of. We're just afraid of afraid. And I think we need to overcome fear. And once you overcome fear, it will build our confidence. And once you have confidence, I believe that you can achieve anything you want to achieve. One hundred percent. Fear is one of the biggest obstacles, and doing something new always is going to come with a little bit of fear. But that's the good fear. Yeah. Fear and excitement actually feel very similar in the body. It's just what your mind thinks of it. As for what you're willing to take action and how you're willing to move from that place of that emotion. Well, Drexwell, thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your time. I'm so glad to know you and to know that you're out there inspiring and encouraging others. So thank you very much. And for everybody else, we will see you next time on Be The Wolf. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.